It is so good to be back from vacation for my family. We missed you guys last week. But I loved watching online and I loved hearing about all the good things that God was doing. Um, so we got to celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Excited about that. Um, we took the kids to Florida and we had originally honeymooned in Disney. So we took them to Disney and it was their very first time there. We just got to make memories with them and, you know, just disconnect as a family. We also got to go to church uh, with our pastors and our mentors, uh, Richie and Kimberly Neeland, and that was really good, yes. I was like, it's so cool to just go to church, huh? This is what people do, cool. I loved it, um, and I loved the, what God was speaking in the pastor's message. It was exactly what we needed to hear, of course. Um, Richie and Kimberly will be here in two weeks, so on Sunday, June 11th. Yeah, I'm really excited. So make sure you mark your calendar. I don't want you to miss that. Um, and then on the 18th, on Father's Day, my husband Jay will be preaching. Yeah! It's going to be a great manly Sunday. You're going to love it. And we have our camps coming up as well. So at the end of June, we'll put up a slide on the screen. You can go to nyhope.church summer for more information about those. Um, you could be a part of, by messaging our Facebook page or emailing info at nyhopechurch.com. But we love our summer camps. It's such a great opportunity to reach kids and really um, have them know who they are because of Jesus and change the trajectory of their life. We have people here today. Come on. We have people here today because they came to our camps as children. Uh, Mariah, one of our worship leaders up here, is one of those people. Thank you, Jesus, for fruit that remains. So June's going to be amazing, but let's finish up May. And, oh, yeah, I wanted to also tell you, while we were in Florida, uh, Pastor uh, Richie, his pastor, had a prophetic word for Jay and I. He was so sweet. He's like, Pastor Jay and Ashley, come on up here. Tell us about your church. Pastor Jay, come on, come tell us about your church. He's like, well, she's the pastor, so. And they're like, oh, cool, that's awesome. We love that, yeah. But I was like, I wanted you to do the talking. And if you know me, you know I'm pretty brief. I mean, other than on Sunday mornings, I'm a pretty concise person. So they're like, tell us what God's doing in New York. And I gave him like two minutes of what God's doing in New York. But because he's awesome, but I'm just, I'm just a brief person. So anyway, I sat down, he started preaching, and he's like, the Lord just gave me a word for you. He said, this trip is significant for you. And um, for us, that's the first time we've ever not gone to the church we were planted in on a Sunday. We've never taken a vacation on a Sunday ever in our lives. So that was significant. But he says, this trip is significant for you. It represents a new level of authority in your ministry. Come on. We receive it, right? He said, as you fly back home, God is giving you a new level of authority in the spiritual realm over the demonic as you cross state lines. He's sending favor your way. You have a small army that God is going to use to take new ground for the kingdom. Come on. 
I was hoping we would have a video for you, but they don't broadcast their experiences online just because sometimes people online can say harsh things, and so they keep it very um, focused to their church family. But that was such a blessing to us that God had that specific word for us, and um, I'm just excited for what He's going to do because all of this is about Him, right? Come on. I love Noah's message last week. Do you guys love it? Come on. If you weren't here, he talked about hearing from God, and prophetic words are one of those ways that you can hear from God. Um, the Bible says we hear in part, so you know sometimes it's through human vessels and we're not perfect, but if it's an alignment with God's word from someone who is you know hearing from God, having good intentions from God, then you can trust it. That's how God speaks to us. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Hannah, this week. She pastors a church in Ithaca, and she also had a word for us. She said, I see you sitting in an orchard, and you're surrounded by trees full of big, juicy fruit. And why is that significant? Well, fruit is in the Bible, right? But she didn't know. We're starting a brand new series today about the fruits of the Spirit. And she didn't know that my desire for you, for this church, is that you would bear much fruit. That you would have big fruit for God that remains. So when she gave me that word, it's not really about me, it's for you. I'm excited for what God is going to do in our church through us in this series. Come on. So this is our brand new series. If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley. And if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm the senior pastor here. And we're in a brand new series called The Multiverse. And it's kind of loosely associated with the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out this week. Because in the movie, there are multiple versions of Spider-Man from different universes. There's Spider-Pig and Spider-Borg. And Spider-Woman, I guess she's pregnant, which that's fun. Can you imagine like fighting crime pregnant? You go, girl. There's Spider-Therapist, like so many versions of Spider-Man in this movie. And I'm not trying to spoil it for you. It's not even out yet. I haven't seen it. So I don't know. I just read about it on Wikipedia. But <laughs> there are a couple of versions of us too. So there's the version of us before we know Jesus. And that's a great version. But when you meet Jesus, there's a brand new you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he empowers you for life. So on Easter, you know, we celebrate how Jesus died and he rose again. And then 50 days later, he sent the Holy Spirit. And that actually happens to be today, what we call Pentecost Sunday. And so the disciples waited from Easter, you guys remember when Easter was, a long time ago, all the way to today to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I love so much that we don't have to wait to receive him, come on. Our Father gives good gifts to those who ask. And so when you trust in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you can also ask for a baptism of the Holy Spirit, an overflowing and infilling of him, and he changes your life. So this whole series, this is gonna be based out of the book of Galatians. And I want to encourage you to read it as we go through this series. So um, if you read about two verses a day, you'll get through it by the time we're done with this series. So start tomorrow, Galatians 1, 1 and 2. 
But I'm going to sum it up for you in case you don't read it or you've never seen it, and it's going to be a good foundation for what we're talking about. So the book of Galatians. Paul is feisty in the book of Galatians. I love him. He's so funny. He says, first of all, I am not appointed by humans. No one voted me in. Nobody, you know, said, oh, Paul, you're the leader. No, no, no. God commissioned me to speak to you. I love that. He goes on to share his testimony. He says, I used to persecute Christians. I killed them. But Jesus changed my life. And now I share the good news of Jesus with everyone. And he says, I talked to the disciples because I'm not an original disciple, you know. I'm Paul. Jesus met me on the road. I'm not an original. So I went to the original disciples and I said, I'm preaching about Jesus. I went to them privately and said, is this message accurate? Like, I want to make sure. I want to have some accountability around it. And by the way, I'm traveling with my friend Barnabas, and he's not a Jew, so he's not circumcised. So is, is that cool that he's not circumcised, or do we have to, like, you know? And they're like, you know, that's good, that's good. Your message is great. You know, Barnabas, he's good, he's good. And then it says, Peter, the apostle Peter, Peter, Peter. <laughs> It's like uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> the, the Apostle Peter, he's having lunch with some people that came from out of town, and they're Jews, and they're circumcised, and all of a sudden, he won't eat with the uncircumcised guys anymore, which I'm like, how did he know who was who? <laughs> I don't know, but he's like, those guys... I'm not eating with them because, you know, they're unclean, they're, they're not circumcised. And Paul's like, what? We're not made right with God by rule keeping. Well, I just talked to you guys about that. And you said the message of grace that I'm preaching is accurate. And we don't need to add circumcision to the list of things we're supposed to do. We know that we can't be made right with God through rule keeping because we tried to do that for hundreds of years. And we have all these records, you know, we have the Torah, we have the Old Testament, we have the Bible to approve. That didn't work. It's never worked. Galatians 3, 2, he says, let me put this question to you. How did your new life in Jesus begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. Yep. We're crazy sometimes too. I know I've thought before, I can do this, God. I don't know. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. He says, answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with his own presence, his Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves, does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving? or because you trust him to do them in you. Come on. And that's the whole point of this series. We do not save ourselves. God does that. We believe in Jesus and he saves us. We choose to receive his salvation by trusting him. And everything after that we choose to receive by trusting him. Paul says to the Galatians, 
He says, don't let other people distract you from the good news of Jesus. Don't let other people cut in on your race. He says, God's going to deal with people who do that. And then he says, as for the rumors about me, rumors that my preaching is not biblical, that's absurd. If I were preaching anything other than the gospel, people wouldn't be mad at me. I would not be persecuted. He's saying, no one's offended by good vibes. They're offended by good news because it goes against our self-righteousness. And because the enemy doesn't fight a message that isn't threatening to him. So he goes on to say, he says, if circumcision can save you, then why don't you just go castrate yourselves? You know, go the whole way. Yeah, he says that in the Bible. You can read it this week. He's like, oh, you don't want to do that? I didn't think so. Galatians 5.1, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. When you trusted in Jesus, he set you free from sin. He set you free from religion. He set you free from fear, from guilt, from shame, from self-righteousness. He set you free. But it's up to you to live in your freedom. There's a difference between being freed and living it out. He's like, okay, I opened the prison door. You're free. If you stay stuck in there, you're not living in your freedom. It's up to us to walk out of that prison. It's up to us to choose to surrender to God the things we're trying to hold on and do ourselves. When I met Jesus, I was like 14 or 15, and I read the book of Galatians, and I was like, okay, in chapter 5, there's this big list of sins and things you shouldn't do. I'm like, okay, I won't do that, I won't do that. Yep, 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 got it. And then there's this list of what we call the fruits of the Spirit. And I wrote them all down, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do these things. We'll put it on the screen for you. Galatians 5.22. The Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. We sang about it earlier today. And I'm like, I'm going to choose love, and I'm going to be joy-filled, and I'm going to have peace. I'm going to be patient. But I missed the first part of the verse. Who produces the fruit of the Spirit? The Spirit! We don't produce it. We don't do it. He does it. If we're trying to produce these things in our lives, like, oh, I'm just going to love people. If we try to do that instead of trusting God to do that, we're trying to relate to God by being good instead of relating through Jesus. And we just get it backwards. Another translation, verse 22 says, what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Verse 23, legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. He says there's two ways to live. One, legalism, 
under the law, self-effort, trying to do all 613 commands that God put in the Old Testament and all the things that people added to it too, works of the flesh, which is exhausting and doesn't produce fruit, or the Holy Spirit living in you, the fruit of the Spirit. If you think about an orange tree, this is an orange tree, by the way, obviously, producing fruit is a natural product that demonstrates it's alive. Healthy trees, they have fruit. It's not something they try to do. They're not like, gotta lift some weights and get some gains to grow this fruit, you know? It's not like, oh, the laws of nature say I have to grow fruit, so I'm just gonna try. No, the life within them produces fruit. So for us, we are trees, and when we are rooted in Jesus, We have him to source from. Apart from him, we have no source. And so what happens is Colossians 2, 7 says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So before we know Jesus, we're just disconnected. We're we're not bad, but we have no fruit. There's nothing to source from. But when you put your roots in Jesus, what happens is Jesus says, come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from within you. And here's the water and it goes into you. And there's so much water, it goes to overflowing. And it produces fruit that you could not produce. It's such a good picture. He says in another place, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Not because wine is bad. He's not against that. He's saying, look at what wine does to you, how it transforms you. The same way the water of the Spirit, it transforms you. He's just using it as a natural picture to say, when you drink of Jesus, he changes you. He does it. You don't do it. And I don't know about you, but I love being planted in him, and I feel so refreshed sourcing from him. Psalm 92, 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Another way to be planted is to be a part of the local church. Because we, we, when we're planted in a church, we have an intake of good things. Good things. We're, we're pulling up the word of God. We're worshiping together. We have other people who are encouraging us. When we come in discouraged, we have people who pray for us, who spur each other on. It's the community that God set up for each person that we need. I think about our conversations at family night this past week, talking about validating feelings and having conversations that don't just go in a circle but actually heal things emotionally. We talked about being connected to other people the way God intended. I think about what happens on a Sunday when you come here excited and you're celebrating something and other people are cheering you on and they're like, that's amazing. I love when we come here no matter where we're from, no matter what happened this week, what God does in this community. This is a greenhouse where we're all on a journey together. This is the place where we say, keep going when life gets hard, where we celebrate, where we get filled up, we drink, and then we get sent out with our big fruit. And 
This is the place where we are fruitful and flourishing in old age, like Psalm 92 said. You know the most fruitful people I know? They have been planted in a church their whole lives. Come on. They let their roots grow down deep. And when storms come, it's like that song we sang, Firm Foundations, we stand still on him and we dig our roots deeper into who he is. And what happens is the more you press into him, the more his fruit flows through you. And I think about not just your fruit, but other people's fruit. You know, Noah, when he preached last week, that's not just his fruit. That's your fruit. He came to this church in utero. He came to this church as a baby. And some of you watched him in the nursery. And some of you taught him in preschool grades. And some of you taught him at our school HCA. And some of you prayed for him. And some of you invested in him. And some of you encouraged him. And some of you taught him. And he has a part too. But I love that how God sets this up, that he produces fruit not just in us, but in other people. And we have fruit trains. We all have fruit. Some of us, we have little fruit in some areas. We have big fruit in other areas. Growing fruit, it takes our whole life. Jesus gives us another fruit picture, John 15. This time it's a grapevine. He says, John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, abide in me. Stay connected to me and you'll bear fruit. He says, don't do life alone. You weren't meant for that. You were meant for a relationship with me. And to abide, it means to stay in one place for a long time through struggle. To keep your roots in Jesus, even when storms come. To stay connected and talking to him, even when things are going really good and you're like, I don't even know if I need you today, God. No, 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 stay connected, abide in him, don't uproot. One way we do that is by reading his word. His word is a light to your path, the Bible says. You know that's what plants need? They need water and they need sunlight. So here's the water, or the sunlight, of his word. We get rooted in him and we get the sunlight of his word. And then fruit happens. It's just natural. We have the living water of the Holy Spirit. We're rooted and rested in Jesus. We've got the sunlight of God's word. We naturally produce fruit. We're not trying. We're not striving. We're becoming healthy. We're listening to what he says to us and surrender areas of our life to him. We say, oh, you're saying that? Okay, I'm going to make an adjustment here. Oh, you want me to do that? Okay, I'm going to listen to you. Uh, Jesus says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He says, when there's fruit in your life, oh, it brings my Father glory. Because he's your creator. He's the potter and you're the clay. You're his masterpiece. And what do masterpieces do? They don't try to oh, be awesome. No, no, they just reflect the glory of their creator. Come on. We are fruit bearers. That means fruit carriers. That means fruit displayers. We show his fruit to the world. And the fruit is good, but it's not for us to eat. The point of the fruit is so that other people can know God, so that other people can eat the fruit, 
Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste a God who's invisible? Through our fruit, which is visible. The Spirit of God, he makes the qualities of Jesus grow in your life so you become more like him. If you're not rooted in Jesus, you have nothing to source from. You have no fuel for your fruit. You're cut off, but you don't have to be. Over the next nine weeks, we're going to look at all the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. And today we're just going to scratch the surface. The first one is love. God is love. The fruit of God in your life is that you love. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. How do you know if a tree is alive? Well, it has some buds and it has fruit. If there's not fruit, there's not leaves, it might be dead. It's not bad, it's just dead. Before Jesus, we were dead in our sins, the Bible says. We were dead in fighting and division and criticism and gossip. We were dead. But because of Jesus, we're alive. We're made new in Jesus. We're alive in Christ. And where there is love, that's, there's life. When we put love into practice, it's evidence that God is present in our life. It's just the fruit of knowing him. I was reading about the Rwandan genocide in 1994, and we have some people in this room who were alive during that time and, and in Rwanda. And, you know, this is a very, very hard time for you and your family. And I was reading about how these students at this Bible school, they were parts of both of the opposing tribes. And everyone around them was like, you need to stop talking to each other. You need to kill each other, actually. And they're like, if we die, we die together. And they held hands and some of them were killed because they loved each other. That's a love that's only from God. I don't know about you, but I can't love people like that without God. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Come on. How do we love others? Because God has loved us first. We don't try to love people so that God will love us. That's backwards. You have nothing to give away. You're this tree like, ah, how do I do it? You can't. You need the love of God flowing in you to give away. Doing for God in order to get from God, that's religion. We love because we have love living in us. That's relationship. All right, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Like I said earlier, God's love is made visible in us. Nobody has seen God, but if we love one another, he lives in us. People see him through us. And his love, it's made complete in us. Not when we receive it, but when we give it away, it's made complete in us when we love other people. 
It's visible in us when we love other people. And when we love, it's God's love that people see. So people see love in your life and they're like, God is real because of the love I see in my coworker and in my teacher and in that person at the bank. God is real because of their love. There are some types of love that are so surprising and so countercultural. It can only be the work of Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit in someone's life. Love that is costly. Love that is not just being nice, but proof that we love one another, support one another, that we drop everything to help one another. Love that dissolves divisions, that brings people together who should hate each other. I'm so proud of our church. We have people in our church right now going through a divorce who still come to church together and choose love, choose not to hate one another. And that's hard. Because you all know people going through hard things. It's hard to choose love. It's hard to choose love when people are talking about you. But we choose love anyway. What if you don't feel like loving them? How do you do that, Pastor? Ask God for his love to fill you. Drink of his spirit, which happens through prayer, which happens through getting in his presence, which happens this morning while we're here together. Read his word, get his sunlight into your life. Remind yourself of who you are in Jesus and rest in him. At the cross, Jesus laid down his life for people who hated him. They're spitting on him, they're screaming at him, they're killing him. He laid down his life for you and me. I didn't ask him to do that, but I'm really glad he did. I'm really glad he did it because he loves me and because he loves you. Unconditional love, it says, I'm going to love you even if I don't agree with you. Even if I don't agree with you, I can love you. And, and I know today in our society, that's not normal, but that's who Jesus is. I can love you if you're a different political party. I know, I know, it's a shock, you can. I can love you if you're a different denomination. I can love you if your personality is kind of annoying to me and we just don't jive. I can love you. Accepting you, it doesn't mean that I agree with you. I can love you without agreeing with you. We love people who have good morals and people with no morals. We love people who are sober and those who are strung out. We love those who are gay and those who are straight. We love Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians. We love atheists and we love Christians. I love our church because we're all so different. You look around, you got young people, you got old people, you got men, you got women, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, all people like heaven. We're learning to love people here. Sometimes churches are known for what they're against. Sometimes the global church, we're known for what we're against, but we're for God and God is love. We're for people. We're for new beginnings. We're for second chances for people who want help. We're for people becoming who God made them to be. And maybe your life, it doesn't look like who God made you to be yet. It's not like the best version of you. That's okay. Neither does mine. We're all on a journey. We're all in this orchard planted and bearing fruit together. 
You can love people without telling them what they're doing wrong, because usually they already know that. There's a good reason that they are the way they are, and you need to give them room while they're in process of being changed by God. You know, only God can change a person. I can't change anybody, but I can love them. A lot of the places Jesus talked about love, he was talking about love for other Christians. John 13, 34 says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. We're reading the book of Galatians, right? Paul was talking to Galatians because they were being divided over their doctrine. Because sometimes we focus on things that separate us. That's the reason denominations exist, you know? That's not something that was set up in the Bible. It's something that uh, humans, uh, you know, we took things that we saw in the Bible and we're like, well, we definitely want to protect this doctrine and do church this way and that way. And that's okay. Those things aren't bad. But that's how we are sometimes. That's why Jesus says we need to love one another. Galatians 5 says, don't think that your group is the only one that's right. I love going to Richie's church on Sunday and seeing what God is doing there. They're Pentecostals. He's like, oh, my church is going to be crazy. You better hold on to your seat. You're not used to that. I'm like, I love whatever God is doing there. Come on. And no matter where you go, when you have a heart to receive, God will speak to you. It's so funny. While I was there, somebody gave me a handshake, and they're like, they gave you a Pentecostal handshake. I'm like, what's that mean? They're like, they slipped some money in your hand, didn't they? I was like, yeah, they did. They gave me 20 bucks. I didn't know what to do. I panicked. Ah! <laughs> They're like, the next time that happens, don't look at it. You're just supposed to nod and put it in your pocket. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't, I've never run into that before in my whole life. Some people do things differently than you. So funny. Someone else was just walking around blessing people like this. I'm like, I'll receive the blessings. Come on. I need more blessings in my life. The church we grew up in was pretty Baptist. You know, you didn't really jump or move around or anything. You just stand in your row and sing. And that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you have a Catholic background. Uh, we're friends with people who run a church of the Nazarene. For us in this church, we're non-denominational. Uh, we're we're spirit-filled. We're Bible-believing. Just following Jesus. God is not limited by our doctrine. We're all part of his bride. If you've trusted in Jesus, you're a part of his bride. I want to encourage you, people of hope, don't ever criticize other churches. Love Jesus and love his bride, because you're a part of his bride. You are his bride. It'd be really tough if I'm standing at the door with Jay, and you're like, Jay, I really like you. I don't like your bride, though. He'd be like, okay, okay well, that, that's your opinion, but we can't really be friends, you know, because I really love her a lot, and if you love me, you love her, because we're one. It's the same thing with the Church of Jesus. I love his bride. And I'm a part of it. And so are you. The reason Jesus said love other Christians is because the enemy, he wants to divide us. 
He's afraid of what happens when believers walk in unity. He wants to distract us because, you know, while churches do their thing, there's a lot going on in society that we need to be aware of. United, we're an unstoppable force for the kingdom. The main thing with any church, come on, is that we agree that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And when we trust in him and we have a relationship with God, that's what matters. I pray with pastors from all kinds of churches once a month. And the, the thing that unites us is Jesus. And you can apply that to any area of your life. You don't have to see eye to eye with someone in order to love them. You don't have to understand them in order to love them. Love is a fruit. It's a fruit. And you know what? Your fruit isn't dependent on other people. It's about God's love flowing through you. It's about his sunlight flowing into you. It's about you having love from God that you give away. It's not dependent on anyone else. It's between you and God. It's receiving what he has for you. Luke 6.32 says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And that just means people who don't know God. Verse 35, But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. All love flows from God because he's the source of love. Love is his nature. Love is his being. Everything in the Old Testament was an expression of his love. His whole attitude and action towards all of creation is love. It's the greatest reality in the universe. It's greater than the universe itself because God created the universe out of love. As we love people, I want to close by saying there are some people you need to love from a distance because I don't want you to get hurt. Some people you need to have boundaries with in your life, and that's okay, that's healthy. There's a good book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. If you need boundaries in your life, he'll help you. But Proverbs, it talks about three categories of people all throughout the book of Proverbs. It talks about evil, foolish, and wise people. In each of those groups of people, your love looks a little different. All of these groups, they exist at your workplace, at your school, in your family, and yes, even in the church, the first category is evil people. And this is just people who have a malicious intent, people who want to hurt other people. If you work in law enforcement or the judicial system, you've probably encountered evil people. And again, they're children of God. He loves them, but they're being led by demonic forces. You may have somebody in your life who hurt you. I'm so sorry that happened. You need to forgive them. You need to love them from a distance. You need to pray for them, but you don't have to spend time with them. Evil people, they want to inflict pain. They don't play by the rules, and you'll get hurt if you try to love them the way you love other people. When you try to speak the truth to them, they'll threaten you. The Bible says, have nothing to do with them. But because of your heart and your freedom, you need to forgive them. You need to bless them. You need to pray for them. All people are God's kids. He loves them. 
In the context of Galatians, when he's talking to Peter and the circumcision thing, he's like, you guys are trying to divide the church. Knock it off. We got to talk about this issue. He talks about it again to Titus in uh, chapter 3, verse 10. He says, warn anyone who tries to get believers to take sides and separate into their own little groups. Warn him more than once. After that, have nothing to do with him. He's saying unity and love in the body of Christ, it's so important. You need to protect it. That's evil people. Second group is foolish people. They don't have bad intentions. They just make some silly choices sometimes. They're foolish. Uh, they listen to the crowd maybe. Maybe they have real things that need healing that they can't see truth through. Maybe they have shame. Maybe they have fear. Jesus died for fools, and all of us are fools in some degree. Love fools from a distance. For fools, if they have something they need healing with, they need to get that healing from the water of the Holy Spirit, the sunlight of God's word, um, being planted in a church, that's how God heals us, and, and trusted voices who speak into us. Um, for my husband and I, we have a therapist who we go to once a month that, I don't know, we started seeing him in like 2010, and he just helps us whenever we have something that's a hurt or a foolish place that needs to be healed by Jesus. And that's okay, maybe you need a therapist. We've got some good counselors here, maybe you need that. We're all foolish at some point in our lives. Love fools, but you also want to love them from a distance. Proverbs says, don't argue with them. Proverbs 9, 7. If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face. Confront bad behavior, get a kick in the shins. I just imagine the little kid being like, tch, tch. <laughs> don't waste your time on a scoffer. All you'll get for your pain is abuse. But if you correct those who care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise. They'll be wiser for it. Tell good people what you know. They'll profit from it. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. It's through me, Lady Wisdom, that your life deepens and the years of your life ripen. Live wisely and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life and life will mock you. Wise people. You might work with some really wise people. Wise people are people who intentionally do good. Wise people are led by the Spirit of God. Those are the people that you want to spend your time with. Walk with the wise, you'll become wise. We're going to talk in the coming weeks about knowing people by their fruit. Jesus says, a good tree bears good fruit. Not perfect fruit. Even wise people have bad days and make mistakes. Not perfect fruit, good fruit. The first fruit is love. I want to encourage you this week. Receive the love of God. Let him produce fruit in your life so people can taste and see that he is good. And when you need help, say, God, will you help me to love this person? Will you give me love so I have it to give away? We love because he loved us first. It's a privilege. I'm really excited about these fruits of the Spirit. I love so much that it's what he's doing in us. We really don't have much of a part of it. You know, we just surrender to him. We yield to him. We say, God, have your way. But he does it all.